I'm rather busy. Uh, now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So Ghost in the Machine is obviously a very dated <laughs> episode of the X-Files, and it's also perhaps not very good, but I do think that it was prescient in a strange way. Well, I liked it. I do get the sense that they... I mean, there's a hokiness to it, and Ice is not hokey at all. Um, I, I, I think it's very interesting how tonally different these episodes are and how even the episodes we've seen already, the, this is doing a lot of different types of shows. This, again, we're, 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 we've been, in terms of the recording we've been doing lately, so we've done Firefly, United States of Terra, Deep Space Nine, dealing with a lot of stuff that's a little less episodic than this, and now we're going into... It's not quite anthology in the way that original series or even Next Generation uh, went, but this is more episode by episode, which gives them the opportunity to tell different types of stories. Yeah, and I, I also think it's interesting too. Just this is really a side point, but but um, you know, Deep Space Nine and, and the X Files premiered in the same year, yeah, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, and both are known for the way that they treated their again their myth arc is in the terms of the X Files. Um, have, having f- finished DS Nine by this point, it's going to be interesting to make some comparisons as this show goes on. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. Um, you almost get part of a... I almost get part of a sense that maybe they even knew there was a certain amount of hokiness in the script at the time, but in a way it doesn't matter because I did like it as an episode. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 very much grounded in, in a very different time and place. You know, yeah. uh, 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 the character of... What is his name? Brad Wilczek. Brad Wilczek. I only know that because of I wrote Brad White as in part of my notes, but yeah, part part of my part of my problem with this episode is that everybody is is made out to be a little stupider than they actually <laughs> are. For example, you don't really need uh, voice recognition software to figure out that the voice of the computer is the same guy as Brad <laughs> yeah. Wilczek because it's like come on, but. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, obviously Brad Wilczek is a, Eurosco is supposed to be like sort of an Apple type of company. Yeah. Brad Wilczek is sort of like a cross between Steve Jobs and, and uh, uh, Steve Wozniak. And a little Bill Gates in there too. Probably just, just, just the general 80s hacker, you know, who made it huge. But I, I yeah, exactly. But I think that, that what is so uh, uh, interesting about the datedness of the episode is the attitude towards... Uh, tech billionaires is very different and very 90s yeah you know we forget exactly i mean certainly technology was was big business then but it wasn't like it is now and it wasn't like it would have even been about five years after this episode premiered um i was i don't know about that i mean i think maybe more, more like 10 or 15 years well i guess i'm Thinking about how, like, the internet bubble was around, you know, in 88, 99, so that was still a couple years from the world, because the World Wide Web didn't exist at the point this episode aired. Well, I think that, well, no, uh... 95. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so in other words, the, you know, certainly, again, we, you know... No, the web existed before 1995. The internet existed before 19... I I used the web before 1995. Well, Richard just looked it up, and it was actually 1989. So something happened in 95 or 76. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't really matter. But I mean, I see your point. But I think that what it really comes down to is that the technology was really viewed as a cyclical kind of almost bubble business before this. I mean, mm-hmm. Apple famously had this huge boom and bust. Uh, personal computer companies in general had really, really famous boom and bust cycles, and that doesn't really happen anymore. You know, Google became a giant mm. company and is still a giant company 20 years later. Uh, Facebook became a giant company and is still a giant company. The The lock-in that they have been able to create and and I really think uh, uh, is, is self-sustaining to a large degree. You know, this episode looks at, at technology as a... It's interesting because it looks at technology both as a curiosity and as an mm. integral part of human existence. I mean, the whole thing about the the smart house that is the basis for the central operating system, uh, and you know, incidentally, I don't necessarily think that the board was, you know, incorrect in killing the the smart home like 
<laughs> central operating system project because it's been 20 years and we still don't have smart homes and they're still sort of a joke. Well, one of the problems with smart homes in the real world is that a lot of the companies that make smart homes either fold under very quickly or get bought out by somebody else and then you have incompatible software and then pretty much your home is bricked. Right. <laughs> you know, so the, because of the way... And also, frankly, do I really need to be able to like control my blinds by yes. like, remote control yes you do like who cares white people <laughs> i guess yuppies yuppies care uh, uh, uh. but i you know so i think that in that sense it's a very interesting episode i i mean in, in terms yeah. of how it's actually constructed and what it says about the characters and eh, i don't you know it's, yeah it's, it's, it's a little cheesy you get the sense that even scully and Mulder are thinking well there's no way that this technology really exists in 1993 you know scully even says we're decades from that and she is correct you know right but, but i think even both of them are just see it's deal it, it, in a way it's not that different from the jersey devil yes there is a point zero 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 one percent chance that their theory is right that this is some kind of missing link species that is still in existence there's a point zero 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 one percent chance that we'll check has figured out how to make a true ai you know set sequence that, however infinitesimal the chances are, that is still what it looks like is happening, and they and they're dealing with it. Well, yeah, because I mean that that certainly the the chances that any of their theory, well, Mulder's theories are true, are are very small. But of course, they they at least so far they they always have been. Yeah, and and that's never really in question. I mean, the X Files is not a show that is questioning the central premise. Yes. I mean, certainly we see Scully challenging Mulder in these two episodes. But and especially in Ice, I think it takes on a very yeah. different, uh, a different flavor. But we'll talk about yes. that when we talk about Ice. But I think that you know it, it definitely is never in question that Mulder is is right, quote unquote, or his or, or well, well, I his worldview is right because I don't think it will be impossible for them to be at least one episode in this series where all the evidence looks like it's going to be an alien, but it turns out it's just a human killer. I sure. think that is that is a twist that I'm sure the series will do at some point, and I mean, which doesn't you know negate the fact that this is a world where these kind of monsters or supernatural, whatever you want to call it, does exist. Sure, absolutely. But I think that what you're, to your point in the, in the beginning of this episode where you said that the X-Files, these two episodes are very tonally different. Yeah. We, we have had a few different tonally episode, uh, uh, different episodes so far is that, you know, yes, that's very true. And that's something that the X-Files was, was famous for yeah. in, in changing up very quickly. And that's something that you can do with this sort of pseudo anthology type of show. But the other part of that is, um, that this really has nothing to do with the paranormal or the supernatural. I mean, this could no. have been done on an episode of Law and Order. No, this is a full-on – yes, this in a way, this is a full-on science fiction episode in some well, ways. But science fiction in, in a very – this is much harder science fiction. Let's put it that, that way because theoretically AI can exist when we get to a certain amount of processing power, when we figure out how to have a computer learn in, you know, in a particular way. Uh, again, we, we're assuming that Wilczek is just that brilliant of a programmer that he does manage to stumble upon the secret. That's the fictional part. But that that said, it is we can we can deal with. Yes, it's realistically plausible that at some point somebody is going to invent a system which which wishes to protect itself. Yeah, that yeah. yeah. Now, That's a lot harder science fiction than there are aliens, which you know. Right now, now of course, I mean, I think that that you know. Uh, if this had been an episode of Law and Order or yeah. something like that, it would have been revealed that that you know uh, uh, Brad or someone else was actually the killer because they're not doing science fiction. And this, and this, and this, that's the that's the X Files difference here is that the the central operating system is actually the murderer. Yeah, well, your Law and Order would have made the uh, the building super be the killer who kills the guy in order to start this investigation to eventually put suspicion on the computer to you know gateway it. And in a which. I, I'm glad you brought that character up because I think the show is doing something very interesting with uh, different strains or different uh, departments in the government. And I'm wondering if you have noticed it. Well, and in the next episode, I think a little bit too. But so far, the left hand really doesn't know what the right hand is doing in this government. There are all these departments in um, last week's episode. Uh, what was that one called with the uh, with the ghost shadows? Yeah, in shadows, for example, there is there now they're working on some kind of anti-terrorist you know unit, but we don't really know who they are exactly. They could be, and for a while, we section thirty one. 
For a, yeah, for a while in that episode, you almost think that maybe they're a rival ghost. You know, they're they're the branch of the FBI that specifically deals with ghosts. You know, they, they, that could exist in this. You know, you have all of these different groups, both in the FBI. Is that what G Man stands for? <sighs> ghost Man. Ghost Man. Uh, no, it actually stands for government. Oh, yeah, I get it. Um, yeah, the, now. I don't know to what de- de- if that is ever going to settle down. I mean, you could have all these shadow de- departments within the government as many as you want. Sure, you could put it a different one every episode, and you know, you it could be shadow governments all the way down. But that might get a little tiring. Exactly. I don't know if they eventually coalesce into you know two or three bait or what. They but. they 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 do to some degree. I and I'm I sh- mean, yeah, I'm sure there's some that will have more of a role in the plot. For example, we may never see the, that terrorist unit again. For right. example, but you know, whoever's dealing with the airfield in episode two. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I what I think is interesting about the way that the show is sort of seeding that is, is that obviously they don't know what the hell's going on with, yeah. with the building supervisor. We don't know who he works for. He obviously obviously works for the government. Uh, but but Mulder and Scully have no idea what's going on. And then in Ice, the uh, you know civilians, quote unquote, are openly questioning Mulder and Scully's loyalties or, or yeah. what they know because they think, well, they work for the government. And so everybody, anybody that works for the government knows everything the government is doing. And, and the show is working on these different levels of knowledge and different yeah. levels of naivete, which I find fascinating. Well, I was, that's actually making me realize. Yeah. Because in the case of ice, they assume that Mulder and Scully know everything and that they're, you know, not telling them something about this case. And certainly that's a bit of a wedge that paranoia can be drawn, you know, driven in, but they know nothing. So yes, maybe these other government groups really don't know anything. Deep Throat might only know like a couple scraps of information. He's sympathetic, but I mean, we are dealing with otherworldly things that are difficult to explain, are inexplicable, are paranormal. So it almost gives the sense of this government as this very, you know, it has to do all this because it just doesn't know what the fuck it's dealing with almost. It doesn't know what it's dealing with. And I think also that it is using every single possible avenue to gain an advantage. I mean, mm. you know, they obviously the government already has adopted alien technology yeah. into something as we've seen. Now we find out that the government is very interested in adopting this AI program for, for some sort of reason, as yeah. the throat says. And, you know, even to the point where, you know, obvi- they, they, they arrest uh, uh, Brad will check because he confesses to yeah. the murders because he doesn't want to, to uh, have the government, you know, be be given the, the secrets of of the AI. And he has this nice speech about Oppenheimer and the, yeah. the nuclear bomb. But uh, you know, when when Mulder goes to his house and he's already been taken, you know, they the the seed is there for the later betrayal by the building supervisor because yeah. the people that are guarding and have taken over the investigation. You know, obviously, once you see what happens at the end of the episode, you already know that something else is going yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I liked that. That we're, we're I'm starting to see one of the major themes is the cost of technology, right? Like this was a big point in the second episode where he says, you know, they're developing all these technologies, but you know, people are dying or going. Uh, you know, crazy from this or dealing with some kind of, you know, PTSD from just deal. You know, that's the, that there is a human cost to researching this technology yeah. and technology is also only as good as its users. You know, um, we'll check in this, in the monologue where he's talking about, Oh, I'm, you know, they're either neat or scruffy. I'm scruffy. This is just a puzzle. We'll check. is just in, it creates an AI because he can, because it's one of the hardest programs in, problems in computing and but he doesn't really think about the consequences exactly until it's too late and you know will check would view it as a friend as somebody is going to help with that you know as as a way as an interesting cerebral challenge well i think that i mean i i want to pick up on something you said there which is that you know technology is only good as as its users and i i I agree with you but i also kind of disagree with you we've both read you are not a gadget by by jared lanier who's famous for for vr stuff and you know one of his central points in that book is that and i think obviously it has a lot of connections to this episode is that 
technology can be technology is designed and built by human beings and they have their own biases they have their own points of view and their worldviews and you know for example he i mean this seems kind of quaint now i think the book was written maybe five years ago but that just shows you how fast things are moving but uh he has this thing about you know facebook is really built on the worldview of a college student because what does it ask you when you create an account it asks you where you were born it asks you uh, you know, what sex you're interested in having sex with. It interests you in what your favorite bands are, you know. And so the 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 way that you interact with other people on Facebook, maybe this yeah. has changed to some degree, but because nobody looks at anybody's profile anymore. <laughs> but the way that it was built initially was around the worldview of a 20-year-old college student. And so, you know, look at Twitter, for example, where it's got this horrible problem with with trolling because of the way it's built. And yes, there are ways, there would be ways to fix this, but people are reacting and using Twitter in this way primarily because the people that built Twitter yeah. made it this way. If it had been built by people who are more sensitive to issues of harassment, for example, who 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 could predict that, for example, it, let's say somebody who has dealt with you know being harassed on Twitter develops a new social media platform, they're going to build in anti-harassment protocols from day one as a way of. Yeah, you're you're right. It, you know, technology. If you can believe that programming is an art, an art is going to reflect its creator. Right. And I, I mean, I think in a strange way, the the fact that the COS in this episode is an artificial intelligence kind of sidesteps that question a little bit. Now, you know, I, I don't know if the question was maybe not as as well formed in 1993. Yeah. Again, because this kind of computer technology was still a novelty to most people. I mean, the vast majority of Americans in 1993 yeah. did not own a personal computer, or if they did, it was not connected to the internet. Uh, obviously, we're living in a very different uh, you know, social and cultural milieu now, but it, it is the kind of thing where I look at it and I say, you know, I don't know if the show realizes exactly to what degree it's giving everybody else an out by making it an artificial intelligence. I guess part of it is that I feel like there are other works which ask these kinds of questions much better, number one. And I think the show makes a mistake of reference, kind of referencing a little bit. Yeah. 2001, a space audit. Oddity, Odyssey, 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 um, Space Odyssey, uh, Space Oddity was the uh, David Bowie song. I'm also thinking about even games like System Shock, which deal with an AI, which uh, in in an effort to protect itself ends up rebelling against its creators, things like that. There are more nuanced portrayals. The uh, COS never is a character in this episode. Which is part of the problem with yes. it. Um, in a way, I, I said on on Squeeze, it's only as interesting as the villain. Um, Will Check is a very interesting character. The building manager, even, we only learn a little bit about him, but he's a much he's an interesting character. Even the even what we know about the guy who gets killed in the beginning is more interesting than who COS turns out to be. COS may have intelligence, but it doesn't have personality. Yeah, yeah. And it's difficult to question the – they wanted to leave it at the end. At the end, I do think they almost want to ask us if Mulder made the wrong decision. Did he kill something new? Did he, you know, could this be, if if COS had been released to the world, would it be able to be used for good reasons as opposed to a defense thing? You know, we, we it wants to ask these questions, but it hasn't really developed COS enough that I can feel any empathy for it. Right, right. And I also wonder, like, why is the COS's go-to move murder? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you yeah. know, it, it is still something where the X-Files is a very new show. It's still trying yeah. to find its footing and its voice. And, you know, it really was sold as, you know, a mystery thriller show. I get yeah. that. You know, you, this is the type of episode this kind of show would do. But, you know, especially considering that the show does an AI story again in a few seasons and it's a much better version yeah. of this. Now, of course, it's also written by William Gibson. So okay. you have that to look forward <laughs> to. But... And I'm not being sarcastic. It's it's pretty no, good. No, no. I, I knew but had forgotten that he wrote an episode. And again, it, you know, that will probably give us a, a nuanced portrayal of an AI or at least yeah. a, a, a more thoughtful version of what that means. It, again, this is another episode in which the main plot was constructed fine. I was able to spend en- suspend enough disbelief. Okay, great. But I was much more interested in the interpersonal drama. But that says a lot about again, where these characters are already that 
I am fine with just the two of them sitting in a room and just kind of joking with each other for a little bit. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, certainly Mulder and Scully, I, I don't know that they really get developed any further in this episode, yeah. but they they have already come together, I think, in a, in a very good way. And and even to the point where, uh, uh, again, they're really sticking with the idea of Scully being an, yeah. a, you know, an equal partner in this because she's the one who, who rescues Mulder, of course. Well, Mulder's plot with his friend, I thought that was very interesting that they give that to the guy. I mean, to have a... The my work has been plagiarized by a co-worker. My work was stolen by a co-worker is a plot that a lot of women usually get. Yeah. And the fact that it's Mulder who is dealing with that. It, it, again, it's the show is going out of its way. And yet it's also very subtle at the way that it's we have a different worldview. We don't we aren't having a trend. This is a it's a show that doesn't have traditional gender roles as part of its makeup, which I very much like about that. Um, yeah, which is also funny that the the one of the show, one of the reasons the show became so big and famous is because of this whole will they or won't they thing with Mulder and Scully. Yeah, you know, <laughs> which I'm not like spoiling anything for you because you obviously knew that because yeah, we grew up in the '90s. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that's right. I mean, I you know, I, I I had forgotten that that character even existed, and I just watched this episode like two days ago. Yeah. So that says something about um, his efficacy as a character. But, but I mean, he's only in there to be the he does provide a kind of a counterpoint to scully's old friend in uh in shadows right uh-huh yeah, yeah. so in no no in, no, in, in squeeze in, yeah in squeeze yeah which is again i didn't like the villain but i really like that interpersonal stuff so he in squeeze he comes by looking to have scully assist him because he figures all right she's kind of in the basement a feather in her cap will be and you know if i get a promotion i'll be able to you know bring her up he's doing this as in a way as a favor to her he turns out to be a be a be an asshole but you know whatever this guy is somebody who fucked up majorly yeah he lost a piece of ev- he sent a piece of evidence to the dry cleaners or something like that like and it's like which and, let and the results of which are like horrifying which let people get away with a hate crime i mean the fact that it's very specifically they, not just a murder but a hate crime they chopped off the hands of a judge yeah <laughs> i mean it's deliberately as gruesome as possible yeah uh, so <laughs> um and this is a guy who is he needs the feather in the cap for himself he's going to molder and it is interesting the respect which he's given to Mulder and the reputation that Mulder still has in certain corners. Yes, he may be spooky. He may be doing these weird things, but he is a brilliant investigator. And if there's anybody, which which in a way Mulder's also position in the basement allows this guy to steal his work without kind of repercussions. You know, he's both brilliant and somebody who they're not going to listen if listen to. So free work for him. Yeah, and also I think you you kind of get a different shade of Mulder in yeah. that scene because you know he he tells him that that you know all you had to do was ask I yeah. would have helped you and I think that that's really interesting because yeah. to me you know so far what we've seen in in the other FBI agents and in, in Scully's friend and Squeeze and in this episode with Mulder's friend are careerist yeah scumbags who only want the the fifth floor corner office they don't they don't mm-hmm. actually really care about uh, uh solving crimes or protecting people or if they do it's only a means to an end yeah whereas Mulder, well Mulder certainly because he is in the basement and now scully is starting to yeah. get sucked into his is his worldview and his sort of orbit is that they care maybe I don't want to say too much about it, but they're so uh, uh, not worried about their own careers to the point where they're actively maybe harming their careers now. Well, they, they and the other FBI agents are kind of the difference between lawful good and lawful neutral, right? Yeah. <laughs> In a way, like they, they – the FBI agents we are going to assume are following the letter of the law. You know, all, all, all right, they're performing their investigations by the book, but they're only doing it because, you know – they they are on the side of the law. They don't actually care about doing good in the world. It's true. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of gives a different resonance to trust no one. I mean, Mulder and Scully really can't, can't trust anybody but themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's interesting. This is the first episode we've seen where Scully very gently tries to suggest to Mulder that he's being irrational. Right. Because frankly, from again, her, yeah. Very, very gender flip sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, she's certainly questioned, you know, are, are we sure? Is this, you know, valid? Could this work kind of a thing? 
But when he's talking about this AI, she is seeing him as your friend died and he you were pissed off at him and yeah. you know you're under a lot of stress and all of those those kind of things um i mean she's not saying he's being irrational just because oh this idea is crazy she's she knows him well enough to know that he may not be his normal self right now now of course he does turn out to be right but you know, again, that angle that she questions him on is is different, and it's one that, but it is one that comes from a more genuine place. It comes from a place of caring. She's not thinking he's crazy because you know he's saying weird stuff again. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's right, and I think you're already starting to see that these two characters care about each other, not just on a professional level. Yeah, again, they're the two who, you know, Scully is the one person who is willing to believe Mulder if because. He has enough evidence to prove it. She is willing to listen to reason, and he be- he's starting to become the one person around her that she recognizes is actually trying to do this for the right reasons as opposed to for their own selfish reasons. Yeah, yeah, I you think know, so. The two of them are recognizing each other as kind of the only two people around with any integrity. Yeah, I mean, that's really, I think, but that's really why... Uh, yeah. they work is that they're sort of them against yeah. the world kind of thing. They, and, and they're going to rely on each other. They're not going to rely on anybody else. Mm-hmm. They're going to question and sort of look uh, askance at anybody else <laughs> because they don't know if they can trust them. I mean, you know, that it, it's not incidental that this entire show is built on conspiracy and secrets. Yeah. And, and that, you know, for example, the character of Deep Throat is, yeah. is in this episode again. Uh, he doesn't have much to do. He doesn't have much to say except some vague things about, you know, how the government has secret plot projects and plots and plans. But it's uh, more like, okay, this isn't going to be – this wasn't just a random thing in a poorly constructed second episode. You know, no, he's an actual character. We're going to be seeing him, and he's going to do something. Which, interestingly enough, he was only supposed to be a one-off character. Yeah. Yeah, and the, huh. the crew liked him so much that they brought him back. <laughs> I love when TV does that. I like it too because it's just like it, yeah. it, it shows it as sort of an organic human thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, that person like sparkled really well on yeah. screen and got along really well with our characters. Like, we're going to bring them back. Yeah, they give a, a lot. nuance to the character we didn't write in, but hey. Yeah. Well, maybe the last thing to talk about before we move on to Ice, which is um, something, <laughs> uh, is I want to talk a little bit about this uh, Brad Wilczek's conception of neat and scruffy minds. Okay. Because on the one hand, it's very simplistic and it's very 1993. Uh, On the other hand, I kind of think that the neat tech minds have taken over technology. Yes. No, you're right. And and that the scruffy people are gone or or that they're working in the basement. Yeah. No, no. It's – this is a distinction that – and it's the – you know, there is a lot. A lot of people will talk about the difference between the hacker and the business side of computing, right? Like, and I've heard this basic argument with different terms several, you know, a yeah. lot of times. Um, but yeah, it seems that at least the. I mean, that's how really though any artistic movement starts, doesn't it? You have a bunch of people who just do this thing because that's what their heart tells them to do. And then you have a bunch of people who say, hey, we can make money off of this and we're either going to market them or we're going to do our version of it. And right. yeah, yeah I, I, I think at this point you're right. We are, you know, just, just the layman's view. We do see more of the neat stuff. We see more of apps as a way to make money. Um, and... I mean, even in indie games, there was the sense that, you know, oh, or and this is starting to go away, but there was the sense that, oh, anybody can make an indie game and be famous, you mm-hmm. know, doing th- – that's the real question with tech, right? Are we doing this just for the love of a puzzle because we have this challenge that we want to solve and it's going to be very interesting and maybe we'll get a good end result out of it. But, yeah, yeah. you know, it is – just the act of doing it is itself meaningful or – is the act, all right, we have a thing and people want this thing and what we're going to do is, you know, get this thing to everybody else. Right. And, I, you know, I think that also, you know, what it comes down to really is that, you know, the neat minds are capitalists. Yeah. And, 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 you know, part of what makes capitalism so insidious is that it, it, it makes you just materially uncomfortable enough to continually be in a state that is both susceptible to pressure yeah. and susceptible to... Um, feeling like you can also be rich. Well, I will just point out that Wilchick's house is immaculate. As much as his hair is terrible and he's wearing, you know, grungy clothing and bare feet, like 
the man has a fucking expect that house costs millions of dollars at it. He's got know, a red sports car. He and he seems to live by himself in this entire house, too. So we're not talking about a guy who, like you know, we're not talking about Scruffy. His home isn't, you know, cozy and papers everywhere. It's pin neat. He has a housekeeper in. So, uh, yeah, yeah th- that said, he is certainly. You know, maybe he didn't, you know, he doesn't do the stuff initially for the fruits of the labors, but he is enjoying them. Yeah, I think so. As is his right to. All right. Well, that's where we differ. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about ice, which is an episode that is extremely nostalgic and sad because remember when there was ice in the Arctic? Oh, yeah. The part when it's melting was, uh, again, very prescient. It was. <laughs> So, yeah, last week was written when one of the writing staff saw 2001. This week they saw The Thing. And yeah, I that said, I liked this episode a lot in terms of a, you know, just straight up paranoid horror episode. You know, the body horror stuff was very effective. The makeup or effects or whatever they did worked. Uh, yeah, I liked this one. Yeah, it's good. And it's also written by your fave people. Oh, Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who also wrote Squeeze. See, now, again, here's a, here, we don't necessarily understand everything about this parasite, but we get enough information, and frankly, everything seems consistent and sure. makes sense. We understand, we have a vague motivation for, see, again, because we, well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to keep relitigating. Squeeze. Yes, I, I know. I feel know, like we're I, doing that a lot today. Yeah, I'm well, doing I, that a lot today. Oh no, it's fine. I mean, you know, it's it's definitely one uh, of the, it's one of the more singular and famous episodes of the yeah. show because it kind of set the tone for it. But um, yeah, I mean, Squeeze in terms of tone, I think is is very yeah. indicative of where the X Files is interested in going. I think that what you can see here, though, is that Morgan and Wong, you know, if they kind of took a grab bag of of things that yeah. didn't necessarily make sense in Squeeze as as a actual scientific thing or even scientific sounding thing. Yeah. In Ice, they did a much better job yes. of coming up with a creature that, um, you know, to to my scientific layman ears, sounds plausible. Yeah. Again, the, the, there is most likely, as I think Scully says at one point, it's not likely that something would survive in sub-zero temperatures for that many years. And then, then again, um, what is that? That little creature, the water bear. Can basically do that. I mean, there right, are right. there are animals on the earth that live in such extreme conditions that again we can pause we can postulate. And again, zero 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 one percent chance. Well, we got to go with it. This is this is a show where that you know the X Files are where that ch- tiny tiny infinitesimal chance lives, and we're seeing it. Um, now, of course, I think the real difference here is that Mulder immediately jumps to it came from space, <laughs> which. Well, the, okay. sec- the second the uh, baseball headphones guy mentions an asteroid, Smulder's like, what? Space! I love space! <laughs> he he uh, unbuttons his shirt <laughs> to reveal, instead of the Superman symbol, <laughs> the face of an alien. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think obviously it's a little... I, I mean, I like this episode a lot. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's it, certainly for atmosphere. It, yeah. It's amazing. And it is an episode that for better or for worse, again, I think really did, you know, set the show down a certain path. We haven't had an episode of the show yet. I don't think that is this claustrophobic, this yeah scary i mean i will i won't go so far as to say it's terrifying now this is your first time watching it so maybe you had a different reaction well i I mean there were parts i it was a show that i looked away during parts when they're removing the worm from bear like i covered my eyes like that was that was very well done the entirety you know seeing these nodules seeing the worm knowing it's living inside them going into the ear i mean that's is all Yes, these are all somewhat obvious body horror tricks, but they're done very well. Again, the makeup and the effects work was was done very well. The scene at the end when um uh when the Felicity Huffman character is uh you know freaking out and you know they're trying that was terrifying. I yeah. mean, she it, it, yeah, she's flailing around. And- the, 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 these are actors who are fucking committing to their performance, and and, and you know the, it, it's a again I can see episodes where the it's not going to work out right where they're not going to get a good monster or good acting or, you know, it's going to be poorly directed But for this. If they wanted to make a show that was going to, you know, really make me a little scared for 45 minutes, 
good job, guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to that point, I mean, this is kind of a side uh, tangent, but I'm reading the the two-volume oral history of Star Trek that came out uh, last year, and mm. it's fantastic if you like Star Trek, uh, and you probably do if you're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> and is, if you don't, you can start with our coverage starting from the original series because I didn't like Star Trek before starting this. And what's that website, Richard? trekaboutshow.com well done thank you um that that uh this is something that i've always said and and, and ron moore who wrote on uh star trek the next generation and uh, star trek deep space nine primarily uh said that that they you know they were doing he said at one point you know we were doing 26 episodes a year um and i believe his exact quote after that was which was frankly which is frankly unbelievable because it was hard to yeah. make that much television. Oh, and, yeah. You know, the X-Files never made quite that many episodes, but very close to it. This season's 24. I think next season is mm. 25. I think the lowest they ever go is 20. So, you know, you can kind of see, yes, they're going to have some clunkers in there. They already have had some clunkers. but Just as TNG and DS9 had, and original series 2 had plenty of, you know... You, again, you've got 200 episodes of television. Not everyone is going to be fire, firing on all cylinders. Exactly. And and so, you know, Ice is very well done as a thriller. Ice is very well done as a, frankly, as a sort of a classic, yeah. you know, slasher serial killer <laughs> uh, 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 movie in a way. Because you're watching yeah. these characters get picked off one by one. You don't know what's going on. You don't know who's doing it. Yeah. Uh, as it turned out, it's, you know, Felicity Huffman, which is sad. But there's a, I mean, there is a possibility in this episode for... For a while, that nobody may have been infected. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it, I, I almost wondered if that was where that what direction they were going to go with it because, you know, it is possible. I mean, certainly Mulder and Scully's tension is just due to the stress and the you know of this particular environment. Uh, they they don't have an alien worm in them, you know. I yeah no, I think that's certainly true, and I think it really does also help the show that. Uh, for the first time, well, maybe not for the first time because Shadows was sort of a, a, a disembodied thing mm. as well. But it, this is different because that was more of a paranormal thing. This yeah. is more of a science fiction thing again. Uh, we're going back into the realm of, of, of possible extraterrestrial yeah. life or at least uh, life that is so different from what we know exists that it might as well be extraterrestrial. Again, that... there, there are elements of actual animals in this. You know, the, Some parasites do work this way, You know, especially in the insect kingdom. Aren't there like a grub that goes into crickets and controls their mind or something like that? Like there, there are we'll, really, we'll say that. There are fucked up critters like this in the real world. Nothing that I know works on humans this way, but it's in the realm of possibility. And it's also very different from what we've seen before. I mean, this is a very small scale thing. This is something yeah. in the natural world. This isn't really evil, right? I mean, that's something yeah. that I think is, is interesting and sort of, uh, you know, very important to pick up on as well, that there's no indication that, I mean, no one says that this thing is evil. No one says that it's, you know, whatever yeah. it is, it's just, it, it is, it's doing what it's naturally supposed to do. And, if it's terrifying, if it got out into the real world, well, you know, so is the flu. Yeah. No, it's very much treated like a disease. There's even a part which, you know, as a gay man who knows about the history of HIV, seeing Scully says he's just infected, it's not his fault. I mean, that, that I think, is the theme of the episode. Mulder and Scully are arguing over the, should this be completely eradicated, which is what Scully's on the side of. This is too dangerous to... Also, I'm on her side. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and Mulder, I think, ultimately gets there, too. Like, yeah, you know, he certainly does want to try at the end to study it. But at the end, I don't think he's crying that much that the site is apparently destroyed. Or is it? Yeah. Well, they don't. They don't really ever go down a road of saying it's not destroyed. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. I, I was saying, it's, I, it's more like it, you. You're. I think you're already starting to pick up on how the X Files likes to end episodes. Yeah. So yeah. You know, even if they uh, and you know, this may not be the only incident of this parasite on the world. But anyway, well, they do. Yeah, they kind of intimate that. But yeah, I, I think that. I mean. One of the things that I, I want to talk about is, is kind of the development between Mulder and Scully in this yeah. episode because it's very interesting to watch them at, at odds. Yeah. And, and this is really the first time that I think they're they're really at odds. There is very little interpersonal conflict between Scully Mulder and other people, whatever, you know, dude and lady. Because, yes, there's a little bit. They lock Mulder up. They're not sure. But most of the engine of the conflict comes in the tension between Scully and Mulder because – that, frankly, is scary enough. Seeing two people who have always worked as a unit together so far, who have very you know, much clicked, who are always on the same side, suddenly worrying that they're on the completely opposite side. Again, that's, that's the – having gone this far already, I can appreciate the 
this isn't something that would have worked at episode two. No. You know, we we need to know how serious it is when Mulder and Scully are just screaming at each other because they disagree on a point. Normally, I mean, they disagree all the time, but they talk it out as a debate. You know, they're they're at the end of the day interested in we need to chip away at this idea till we get to the meat of it. In yeah, this their argument is just over. You know, they I mean they're arguing over the right way to proceed and right. yelling. Well, right, because I think if this had been episode two or three, this is what would have defined their relationship. Yes. And and that would have been obviously the wrong way to go. Yeah. I don't want to see 10 seasons of these people yelling at each other. No. And it, and it does add to the paranoid feel of it. They're acting very out of character. Are they just stressed as it turns out to be? Or is one of them, you know, do either of them have this parasite in them? But I think it also, yeah, I think that's true. But, but I also think it shows, you know, exactly how... Uh, paranoid and how easy it is for people who are sleep deprived yeah. and hungry and 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 isolated and, and, and frankly uncomfortable uh, can really be driven to uh, act in very erratic and, and, yeah. and angry ways. I mean, certainly it turns out that um, you know at the end of the episode, it's revealed that Felicity uh, or Felicia Huffman's character is is the one that is uh, infected by the worm, mm-hmm. um, but all of them were sort of acting like they were infected and. Yeah you can kind of see where that tension really comes from because, you know, one of the things I think you're already starting to see about the X-Files is that, you know, in a lot of ways it's about uh, how these kind of things hide in plain sight. I mean, you know, the Jersey devil, for example, is just in the woods of New Jersey for all these years and comes into Atlantic city, you know, stuff like that. So in this episode, you're starting to see that really come to the fore, I think more. And also too that, um, there's this other part of it, which is, I don't know, it's it's like, why send these people up there? I mean, in, in yeah. a certain sense, you're almost, it's like if someone in the government said, you know what, let's design a horror movie. Yeah, no, it's true. Especially because there is that almost throwaway line where they say, you know, everybody who was on the original team was evaluated and screened and everybody was psychologically able to handle this and and from what we see of the episode we assume that that's the case you know as great as Mulder and Scully are they may not be of the you know I don't think that they're the kind of people who do well in isolation like this right and also we see the end of the expedition in the very beginning that's the cold open of the episode you Mm -hmm. know so we're like what the fuck like yeah it obviously makes sense as the episode goes on but but that's a very striking way to start the episode and then also too that you know, just in terms of how this episode is actually constructed on a plot level and, and sort of like moving things forward, you know, it's it's obviously a very good idea to have the first person be killed be the pilot because yeah. then that really isolates them. Okay, the storm is starting up much earlier than they think, yeah. you know, a little bit of humor, but, you know, not too much. But I, I, you know, I initially thought this would be one of those, I mean, it reminded me of how, especially in the original series, Star Trek loves giving its time limits. And so you have a three-day time limit to get there and get out of there, and that's immediately scuttled. Right, right. I think, you know, television, you know, is, is moving along always, yeah. and the art form is moving along always, and so they kind of get away from those things when they don't work anymore. I mean, I, I especially love the part where he's, you know, talking to the ladies, like, you said we had three days well, welcome to alaska <laughs> like, right. sorry you know this isn't an ex- it's weather not science um what do you want us to do <laughs> i get you know one of the smallest criticisms and i and this does have to do with the fact that it only has 45 minutes in the movie version or the video game version there would be a lot more done with the original crew we never we only yeah. see the two for that moment we the the only you know we see Scully in the room and she has the pictures of the guy's family and that great bosom buddies poster. <laughs> um, I, I well, I mean, to a but, certain but, degree, it's shortcutted yes. because showing that kind of stuff. Who, yeah, who's going to do this kind of work? It's going to be yeah, single young men. Yes, for the most part. Yeah, again, it's an, and it's not a huge. Uh, uh, I would have. I, it's better that they don't really go into it rather than very, you know, quick things about it. But you can also see again the two-hour version of the story where they're slowly reading diaries and they're, yeah. you know, seeing videos and footage of that. But you know, well, th- that said, the tension moved very fast in this episode, and it, uh-huh. it, it 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 gave a very relentless feeling. Oh, it does. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't let up. I I think that part of the reason for the other character because you could see a version of this episode yeah. that was just Mulder and Scully up there. 
And, you know, there's no, you know, I guess the pilot too, but the pilot could leave and then come back. I mean, there's yeah. ways around that, right? Um, this is, this didn't really happen. Like, they're, they're writing a television show. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you could see a version of the episode like that. But I think one of the reasons for the other characters being there, obviously, number one, is to have other people to murder. Yeah. Uh, because that raise, really raises the tension and the stakes. Uh, but also to, in a sense ground Mulder and Scully's relationship kind of define it as opposed yeah. to uh, you know as as sort of um, uh, 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 against something right yeah and then also to really I think in a way make the resolution of the episode out to be more ambiguous than it perhaps otherwise would have been because you know as I said earlier one of the things about Ghost in the Machine is that we've got this government agent that Mulder and Scully don't know what's going on with. And in this episode, the civilians think that everybody in the government just knows everything that everybody else is doing, no matter what agency or or department they work for. And uh, that's obviously not correct. And that's part of the tension of the episode is that people, you know, the, the two uh, scientist people, the really asshole guy, which is, you know, he's never infected and he's just like a horrible (laughs) person. And I never liked him. Um, yeah, he's he starts out suspicious and paranoid, right? And and the and the Felicity Felicia. I don't know why Felicity. I, keep, I don't know why I keep wanting to call her Felicity because that's her name. Is it? Yes, it was Felicia. No, oh god, it's Felicity, like Felicity. Well, I'm getting old. Um, Felicity Huffman's character are are. She's the only actress we know. I know. <laughs> I know Jillian Anderson. Um, really that, personally, is she listening to this podcast? She might be. Fun fact: I did see her once oh. in person. I used to work for a radio station, oh, and she was there. Is she wonderful? And I, I very casually uh, walked past the booth with a paper in my hand, like, I need to deliver this paper to someone. Uh, 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 I'm certainly not here just to stare <laughs> at Jillian Anderson. So we should tweet her the pilot episode when you do it, like, hello, lady, here's a show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, we, we can try that. Um that that you know obviously it's it's to sort of like create these little uh, enclaves or these little cliques within the group, mm. and I think it's just ironic that that the two characters uh, that we you know the the Felicity Huffman character and then the other scientist, you know, are are obviously forming up a little team, and yeah. she's the one who ends up being infected, yeah. and then also that you know Mulder and Scully don't know as much as they think they know, and so there's a so like it's well, layers yeah. upon layers here. Yeah, there's that moment at the end when you know he tells Mulder that it's been destroyed, and Mulder's surprised, and he's like. Well, wasn't it your people who destroyed it? You know, I think that's when finally he begins to realize like, okay, this guy, really, you know, the left hand really doesn't know what the right hand is doing. But. Yeah. And also that, that Mulder, I think kind of, yeah. you know, uh, uh, is like, what a jackass. Like he doesn't know what the hell's going yeah. on. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, also, I mean, the other thing to talk about is again, this is a small thing, but I, I like to point it out when I notice it happening is that, once again, Scully is just a person who's doing a good job because yeah. she's the one. I, I like the fact that Bear runs away from her specifically, and it's never a question that yeah. she just goes after yeah. him. She's the one that tackles him. and He clocks Smolder with the jar, and then she tackles him. Yeah. Yeah. I One of the things— Like, that, in, in a lesser version of this show, yeah. he would have clocked Scully, and then Mulder would have gone chasing him. I mean, even the part when she gets locked in the room and, you know— it, it, it doesn't work, but she grabs this gigantic fucking drill, which, you know, has to weigh like 40, 50 pounds. She's just wailing at the t- – one of the things I did not know, you know, of course, again, growing up in the 90s, you saw Mulder and Scully everywhere. I didn't realize she was such a badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's a badass. I think a little more of a badass than he is. Mulder is – yeah, I think that's He'll right. He'll have his moments and he has had his moments. In a weird way, Mulder. Mulder. <laughs> in a weird way, Mulder is more intellectual than Scully. Yeah. I mean, Scully is certainly, obviously, very, very intelligent. Yeah. She is a doctor. She, you know, but she's obviously a scientist. She has that kind of mind. But she's also willing to get her hands dirty. I think well, in a she's way, she's a doctor, <laughs> which is true. Which I think is in a way that Mulder is not, or at least so far, we haven't seen him want to do that. Mulder is more of the theoretical and the research guy and she is more of the practical and the you know 
she's more practical science. Right. I mean, she's doing the autopsies and yeah. she's, you know, doing the research and she's not afraid to get her hands dirty. She's not afraid to be uh, yeah. dealing with this worm. She's not afraid to be doing any of this stuff. And I, I, I like the fact that, again, the show is and this is something that I really, you know, hadn't really picked up on before. But watching it now with a critical eye, it's like, yeah, the show was really making scully out to be um if not a feminist icon then yeah you know just an equal and integral part of the show and it's doing a very good job of subverting a lot of those uh, uh tropes but again even and it's not just isolated to scully because again we this is a show which is aware of gender roles stuff like conduit made that very clear sure uh but again felicity huffman isn't treated like a woman in this episode in that as weird as that is to say but she's She's treated as a scientist. Well, I guess that's what it really comes yeah. down to is that, you know, still to this day, I think in a lot of a lot of media, television shows and movies and things like that, you know, women are treated like women and men are treated yeah. like men. And and I think what you're seeing so far in the X-Files is that that's certainly gender. Gender is there and it's something yeah. that exists, but it's not a, a fait accompli in this show. And it's not. Uh, the be all and end all of how these characters are relating to each other. First and foremost, they're relating to each other as as professionals. This is a show which, like the episode last week, needs to have a random you know pathologist at, or at, in a role, and so they cast a black woman. Right. That's not that that means something. Yeah, I think so. This is gone with the same. Again, Star Trek. We'll talk about Star Trek a lot if you're just, you know, tuning in. But, uh-huh. you know, Star Trek tried to do, okay, we're going to have, you know, Nichelle Nichols on the bridge and stuff like that. This is, in a way, the heir to that, I'd say. Um, I don't know if it was a direct, you know, response to that. Obviously, I think it's, you know, I, I'd like to think that there was some social change in between. And I haven't really looked at too many other shows with this kind of an eye towards who are they casting as extras. But... Mm-hmm. Now that I'm I'm noticing it in this show, it's not a – and I do feel like with, with the amount of criticism that I read about shows now, the way that you know TV and Hollywood will cast women and minorities and stuff and all of the controversies around that, I guess I do know that, again, casting that character as – you know, having two t- anti-terrorist agents be, you know, a man and a woman both of color is not an incidental ch- – you know, that, that didn't just happen. Yeah. Somebody decided we – want to go deliberately for a colorblind casting yeah maybe i I don't know i mean i think that that i've never really looked at the x-files with that kind of eye but i I think that um it might be overstating it just a bit yeah i i I know i'm sure i'm Making. I mean, also, it was being filmed in Vancouver, and Vancouver, at, oh, least, it's true. at least then, was like famously super white. Uh, not so much uh, anymore uh, because of all the um, uh, Chinese immigrants that are that mm. came into Vancouver in, over the past twenty years. But yeah, I, I think that there is something to that. Well, I think that's it about ice. Good episode. It, the ice is melted, and we're done. Not exactly the meatiest episode, but I think it's... Oh, it had some meat in it. Very scary meat. Oh, and the dog. You mentioned the dog. <gasps> and, he's, and he's rescued at the end. Everything's Yay. fine. And then he becomes uh, Shelly's dog. Scully's dog? Um, no. But, but there might be another dog in Scully's future. <laughs> All right. Well, if you have any thoughts on either of the episodes of The X-Files we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post or this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash show, where you can give us some financial support if you enjoy our podcasts, including our other podcast, Trackabout. Uh, just two days ago this week, we released uh, our episode on the Star Trek Voyager episodes Parallax and Time and Again. So check that out if you would like. Social media, we're on it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tuning In Show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an iTunes review for tuning mm-hmm. in. Next week, we're going to be talking about uh, the episodes. A little bit of a rough week. Uh, space, and uh, which is not very good. Uh, and but Mulder f- loves space. <laughs> and Fallen Angel. Mac, why do you...